We're back taking care of business. It's been a few weeks since we've been on camera. And this week, Lewis and I are joined by a very special guest and someone who is joining the business from today. Welcome, Lewis Dubser, the data queen, Lynette Sacchetto. Welcome. Thank you, Carol. Did I say it right, by the way, Sacchetto? Sacchetto. Sacchetto. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I'm not going to say your job title because it's just a long one. But could you tell us what capacity you're joining Allsop and Allsop in? Uh, yeah, so guys, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm joining as Director of Data and Digital Transformation here at Allsop and Allsop Group. Got it right. I can't believe it. Welcome, Data Queen. <laughs> thank <laughs> Queen. you. So, yeah, you've joined us in this new role, a new role for Allsop and Allsop. We've never really. We've, 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 we've done our own reports over the years with regards to our company performance, but I think now we're at a stage where, as the business is growing, we've got a new office open in a couple of weeks' time, we feel like we can offer a lot more regards to producing data, not just for ourselves, but what's happening across all of Dubai. So, Lewis, you want to tell us a little bit what, what Lynette's going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, couple of months with regards to... What have you been doing? <laughs> um, I think the, the main thing we need to talk about is why we've done it and yep. then what Lynette's going to be doing. So obviously me and you had a conversation about six, seven months ago and we said we need to give more to the consumers, to our customers, to uh, you know even the agents really. And if you go back five or six, seven years ago and we were trying to do a transaction, let's just say you're trying to agree a sale, agents were sort of blind to what the sale value was. So for instance, if I was trying to sell your house on there, I'd come to you and go, oh, you got your house in the Arabian ranches with the pineapple on that one. Um, and we know that's your house. <laughs> that's a different story we'll share with you later. We'll tag you in on that one. Anyway, so if you're trying to sell that house, agents are blind to what it actually sold for recently. So then we're sort of second guessing, which leaves such an unhealthy property market. And that went, all the way along from the agents to the buyers to the sellers, even to the valuation companies. Um, and what's happened in the last, let's say three months, would you say? The Dubai Land Department's opened up its open data source, which means that every transaction now is available, which is great, but then digesting that data and turning it into real life information is a full-time job, which is where you come in and start to uh, transform the customer experience and the real estate experience for everyone else. What what importance does data offer someone that's buying a house, let's say first time, like, you know, how can that play a part in the, whole, the decision making process? So massively important, I think is probably one of the most important pieces of a transaction for a buyer, for a seller, for a landlord, for a tenant, for everyone within the real estate journey. So if I just take the story back a little bit. Okay. Um, so everyone more or less knows what I've been doing in the market and I've been very passionate about bringing data into the market and bringing tools for the real estate agents yeah. um, and you guys also also and also have been so forward-thinking especially in technology which is what made this position so attractive um, and it's about time that we put the right tools in the agents hands that do not exist today and that's part of the reason why I joined um, but when it comes to offering data to the end consumer, to that person in that property journey, for example, in the States, you don't start a conversation without starting it with data. So you have your comparative market analysis, you have your various comparables within the market. Uh, if you're looking to sell a home, um, if you're working with a buyer, they're scouting an area, they want to understand what the prices are, the amenities in the area. It all starts with a conversation of data. Um, and this is where 
not lacking in the market. The data has been there, but it's about making it easy and accessible for the agents to use something where they don't have to take a lot of time because they're busy. Yeah, they have their full time job of just trying to put the deals together. So something that makes it very easy for them to capture the data and give that consumer exactly what they're looking for to help them in their decision making process, because there's a lot of objections as a real estate agent when you're in the real estate journey and data beats opinion. So yeah. every single time you come back with data, regardless of the objection, unless they just don't like the house period or they don't like an uh, amenity of the area, but really when it comes to data, when it comes to a smart investment choice, data beats, beats opinion every single time. I mean, the, the two companies that I think are doing data quite well now in the portal scene, the Hauser and Bayut. Both of them at the moment, I'm just looking on the transaction about it. It's interesting because the three main portals in Dubai, Hauser, Bayut and Property Finder, Property Finder at the moment, you need to log in to the agent side of things to see the listing, to see the sold data. It's like a data account. Bayou and Hauser have got it out on the deck. And I think that the more that the, the data is open, the more we want to give people, and I think this it's taking people to transition to this mode that you have to show everyone everything. Because if you don't, they're going to get it some way, shape or form. There's a, an old saying which I was told years ago when, I, when, when you're selling properties, people buy an emotion, emotion and justify logic. And up until recently, if a client was buying a property, the only source of information they had was what was online, what was available, so what, how they measure that and then what the agent had told them, oh, we have sold this. And that's only one, one view perspective because there's so many different real estate companies in Dubai which are all doing business, business which is great, but now what we're looking through is not only educate agents, but all buyers, all sellers, all landlords, even you're looking for investment at home, you need to be sure when you're buying something, obviously you're buying something with your heart of your, for your home, but make sure you're buying at the right price and being in touch with up-to-date information. Do you know what this is gonna be brilliant for as well? I mean, this goes back to when I was selling years ago, is that the owners that just go, no, no, I want 13 million, that's worth 10. And then the owner's now on 13. <laughs> and now you can actually just say, nothing is selling at that price. What do you want to do? So in theory, this should bring a more accurately priced property market online, Definitely. advertising, everything like that. Definitely. Okay, so I want to talk very quickly about interest rates. And this goes on to the whole property market and how things are going. So interest rates, you said this morning, Europe, what happened in your opinion? Uh, with the EU, Christine EU, Lagarde, so she alluded to the fact that there will be a 25 base point rise in July and in September. Okay. So in the EU, they're a little lagging behind the US when it comes to the, the rise in interest rates. Um, and by the end of, um, I would say by the end of this year, we're probably going to be at about a 2.5% rate in the US yeah. with the Fed. So it'd be interesting to see how the if the UA wants to be more or less on par with that or yeah. if they're going to be they want to lag behind. I think the US and UAE come hand in hand really because it's pegged as well, isn't it, effectively. But do you think Jerome Powell will be as aggressive as we may think he might be? Yeah. So he's talking about half a percent potentially in June. Who does Maybe Jerome in Powell play for? He's <laughs> <laughs> He's the main man that controls all the money in the US. Um, so yeah, you're talking about another half a percent next month, which will impact us here also. Yes. Do we think there's more ahead for the rest of the year? Because there is a big debate where 
our interest rates really going to fight inflation? Do you, do you see more interest rate rises happening? For sure in September. Uh, well, actually, let's talk about June. So next month, we should probably see another 50 base point hike okay. and probably by the end of the year, another 50 as well. That's okay. what I'm expecting. So realistically, my mortgage is going to be quite a lot more money. Yes. You'll be paying a few thousand dirhams more a month. Probably a little more than that as well, <laughs> to be honest with you. See, for me, the interest rate is one thing. You talked touched on it before about inflation. I just want a little antidote about real life scenarios at the moment. One of them is I was looking to get in Georgia a new Range Rover, the Range Rover Vogue, try and get it for four or five years, new car with the kids and safety. You can normally buy that car souped up for about 600,000 years, 500,000 dirhams. That car, I looked and someone offered me that there's three of them. One was 1.8 million, one was 1.2 million, and one was 1.1 million. And I dissect, I think, why is it? Because in the nicest way, it is just a Range Rover. It's a beautiful car. I love the car. But that's now the same price for Lamborghini that you can get out of the showroom and other cars. And to break it down, if you look at what's happening in the world, it's there's no supply coming in on all of these factors, whether it's cars, whether it's food, whatever it is, which is dramatically increasing the cost of everything. You know, I was reading a report about bread in England and everything else. There was a, there was a, there was a phase last summer where I would go to the supermarket in London and there was no bread on the shelves. And I was like, oh my God. And that's not because there wasn't no money in the world. There was no wheat available to do the, uh, you know, the processing of it. So I think inflation, interest rates are going to help. But getting back to the backlog of probably COVID that's happened and the people that have made the orders and everything, there's a massive catch-up job to happen. I was talking uh, talking to a guy that fits out our properties. Um, and he said to me, the last two years, all material costs have gone up around uh, when you, you're doing your house or it's wood, whatever it might be. And he said to me, every the last two years have been crazy for everyone, whether it's COVID or yeah. whatever, and the war right now. <laughs> Prices have gone up because of COVID or because of apparently all of the materials have now come from Ukraine. And it's like, have have the world kind of use what's happened last couple of years, use that as an excuse to increase prices. Do you know what I mean? Oh, deep. It's deep, yeah. but it's, it's an element of potential truth behind that. Does that mean we can ask for wage rises here? <laughs> the world's gone up in value. <laughs> no, but but it is true, especially like the supply chain issue. Yeah. Um, if you look at what was happening during COVID, especially when we were in the thick of the pandemic, I mean, the boats, when they were able to dock, which was one issue, they were not able to dock, there was no one to service them. There, there weren't people because everyone was, was on lockdown. Yeah. This was the issue that we just had in China a few months ago, a, a month ago. There was 500 cargo ships at sea and no one to service them because everyone was in full lockdown. So the supply chain issue is very real, especially in the construction sector. We've seen a 30% increase year on year in construction supply cost. This is going to affect off-plan prices on new know, launches. Th this is a reason, honestly. Um, I was reading... Very rare that I read like the Financial Times, things like that. I'm normally Daily Mail but, type of guy. Yeah. You know, I get the gossip. Well, the don't exist anymore. I'll go with the gossip and the, you know, the, the like, what's Mark Antony, who he's dating these days? Yeah. I'm sure you would know that. He just got engaged. Yeah. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. Who did he get engaged to? Uh, Miss Universe. Which one? Uh, Uruguay. You're yeah, wow. Mark How could he be Miss Universe? Here. But like for one country, surely it's like Space Jam, you know, when you go and it's like Universe. Anyway, we're digressing a little bit yeah, here. Sorry. Talking about, <laughs> go on, Mark Anthony. So talking about um, construction, I was reading in the Financial Times, it was talking about um, builds, and it said that the reason most companies have gone bankrupt, because who, who are the big companies that went bankrupt in um, 
construction companies over here. Really big one. Arabtech. Uh, Arabtech. Arabtech, yeah. So these companies, they were doing forecasts and reviews on their on their statements, and it's so interesting to break it down. So the, them businesses become untenable because what they're doing is quoting to build a building, putting a set price, and then the price increases 30% and their profit and everything is gone. So they're changing their contracts now to, to be... Um, Variable. Variable based yeah. on the prices. Well, this is what I, I don't want to speculate, but do we foresee any potential hiccups where someone sold a development, let's say a year ago, things have changed Ooh. significantly pricing wise, and maybe build doesn't happen, or maybe things change in regards to saying, look, you've got to pay more. Do you think that could happen? I think that definitely, absolutely. Really? Yeah, of course, because I mean, the developers, they're up against the wall because they didn't have these variable uh, terms in the contract. So they're basing their costs on supply that was costed out maybe two, three years ago. Um, I actually know someone who's in this situation, not in the residential construction sector, but another sector. And they were basing prices off of supply and, for example, container rates. And now it's doubled on everything. So is, is there an incentive then for a developer to drag out Definitely. construction to see where the land lies? I, I, I don't think if you drag it out for another three to five years, you're going to see a difference. Really? I think the prices Probably are more. going to continue to rise. <laughs> no, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's but incredible. The, the, the downside to it is if you're a developer, your prices are fixed to the purchase price. So you can't go to a buyer and say, oh, your property one bed, it's a variable rate, my iron's gone up, so you, you need to increase. So there's a, there is, I think... If you are an investor and you're going outside of the top tier developers, I would be super cautious at the moment. And that is a real pessimistic view with the smaller developers, but that's not because of the market stays, because of the financial constraints maybe on them to build out. Because no matter what, they've got a three year forecast. They're, they're, they know on their forecast, they're operating at a loss. What's the, what's the benefit of building it? Mm-hmm. Mm, of the reputation, very interesting. Um, we talked off camera a little while ago, so the common theme this year is super luxury properties being sold, and it's, it. it's, it's mind-blowing. And actually, when, when we talk about it very often, I, we still don't believe there's actually enough super luxury property in Dubai. Do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about the property? I know you don't know lots of details about it, but the property sold recently for 120 Last week, yes, the property, uh, a villa in Dubai Hill sold for 128 million, and apparently it's in this area. It's called the Street of Miracles, I, I believe. Street of Money, it should be called. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, within Dubai Hills, where all of these high-end luxury villas are selling, and you think 128 million, what? Like, it, what is it? Is, it's not a normal value that we're used to seeing in the market however i would say in the last six to eight months with the way the luxury market has been trending i mean we've been seeing record breaking in the palm we've been seeing various different trends that i think are here to stay because the high net worth individuals are coming here they are spending their money here because this dubai is affordable to them compared to their home countries especially now with inflation you go and buy a two-bed in central london or you go and buy a two-bed somewhere else have this conversation many times and try and buy here you, you cannot compare. I mean, what's really interesting is that, that there are buyers out there. I mean, we talk about other developments in the market, agents that have sold properties. We've never really been involved in the luxury market. We've been known as an agent that sells houses and, you know, to, to the general public. But the last three sales we've done was 85 million in Jumeirah Bay. Um, we sold a 61 million in Business Bay. 
um, and then I think it's a 54 million on the palm, and that's in 14 days. I think what's telling the market is we this year, and this is not self-promotion by the way, but we this year have consecutively broken our highest property sales conducted ever in business just this year yeah. alone. It's great for us, don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna knock it, it's good for the agents as well. And but it's a measure service. of the appetite of the market, and like I say, I keep saying it, there's not enough. There's not enough of these super amazing luxury properties, and I think there's definitely a appetite to build more because there's a market for it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So on the not enough, we're going to end it with this subject, and this is where you are really going to come into your data analytics here for okay. us. Not enough. 2020 October, I was in the press saying, and Lynette, <laughs> there's not enough stock in the market. Yeah. So I said that, she said it, we got laughed at, market exploded, this on radio, this is not enough. My question to you is, where are we at data-wise now for new houses to market? And do you have any idea for people coming to Max? I want to know how undervalued, understocked we are. And I would want to add something to that as well. Could you also share, which I was really fascinated with, 2040 plan, how many properties are required to meet population targets? So if we take a step back and we look at how many freehold units we have in the market today, it's about 700,000, a little over 700,000. Uh, last year, we had about 35,000 units get completed. Now, it's not handover. This is just completed in the market. Um, if you look at what's projected for this year, it started off at 47. Last month, it was about 30, between 35 and 33,000 wow. to be completed this year. Now, I always want to remember the 2040 plan because they want to increase population from today, which is 3.5 million, to 5.8 million people here in Dubai. Dubai alone by 2040. What does that mean? That means we would need at least 500,000 new units in the market to support this 5.8 million people, the, the, the increase to 5.8 yeah. million, which means on average, we would need 27,000 new homes a year. So this is just to support the 2040 plan. I'm not talking about the new visa scheme. I'm not talking about you know, bringing in talent into the market, bringing in new companies and all the other incentives that the governments are, are doing to entice yeah. businesses and talent to the market. Um, so that's just the bare numbers. So are we undersupplied? For sure we're undersupplied in the luxury market. That's very clear. Yeah. Um, but are we undersupplied in the rest of the market? I mean. Uh, a week ago when they said that they were going to, uh, it was a new economic plan to combine DLD and municipality, there was other parts to that plan. And that was the expansion into other areas, further down the Al Kudro Road by the Alain border. Yeah. So they are looking to go out to the outskirts. I see that, outskirts that looks sandy Dubai. out there at the moment. It looks very sandy. <laughs> but you know what, that mainly there's not enough of entry level also, you know, if, if, it, if that 5.8 million target of population, there's going to be you're building outwards. We're gonna it's need, like London, you're going to need to cater yeah. for entry entry level pricing. So maybe there's also not enough. So we're talking like the slough of London. Yeah, affordable. No, there's not enough. Because for that. anytime slough. anything new affordable comes out, it gets snapped up and it does not become affordable anymore. Discovery Gardens is a very good example of that. Discovery Gardens South. is actually now a really good location yeah, based on the market. Very good. Returns are very good as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you know off the top of your head last three or four years how many properties on average were handed over? Were they meeting that target of twenty seven thousand? Handed over or completed? Completed. So completed on average, it was between 30 to 235,000. So they, they can continue to do to it's meet sustain it for 22 years though, or 20, 28 years. 28 years? 18, 18 years. years. 18 Sorry, years, mathematics. Yeah. Not my strong point in school. <laughs> Good. Anything else you want to share? Yes. Uh, DLD, municipality. Um, 
big issue for Allsop and Allsop in the market at the moment. And I'm hoping that the DLD municipality, which you touched on, the merging will be able to um, have some effect on the market. So DLD municipality announced at the start of last week that they're merging. We don't know the full details of it yet, but there's been many government entities that have emerged or transformed into different departments to create more efficient um, teams in the in the business. So at the moment, there is an issue at the moment with the DLD that needs to be fixed quite quickly. And I think it's just a mechanical issue uh, regarding the transfer. So land department at the moment, opening times have slowed down a bit, haven't they? Yeah, reduced hours and particularly on a Friday. The issue we're actually we're finding is with a new working week since the start of this year, we had X amount of hours during the week. That number of hours has actually have actually now reduced. So our ability to complete transactions on behalf of a client has become more difficult because we're trying to squeeze the, at least the same amount of transactions in a lot less hours during the course of the week. So hopefully with this this merging, digitalizing the process or making it frictionless, because at the moment there's a lot of a lot of people involved to get well, you've got to think about this. I think the land department are open for what is it, eight thirty till like midday. I think that's one. Right. I think this open. So if we're lucky, we might get one or two transfers in because obviously you've got to get the bank there. They've got to bring the checks. We've got to bring the files, the passport. People copies. have got to be on time. But then you've got to get the doc. Oh, that's a big one. Then the documents <laughs> have got to go and be registered. They've got to go to the land department and then they've got to verify it. And then the transfer office will then sign it off. So the whole process at the moment for how quick the Dubai property market is and Dubai is trying to be, it's a bit flawed because I'll always go back to the UK. I bought my place, my place in the UK and when I bought it, the lawyer called me and went, just to let you know, we've completed. I was like, oh, amazing. My lawyer's done the transfer title all remotely, no transfer officers involved. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with DRD municipality. There is an inherent problem with the amount of transfer transactions coming in with Dubai. I mean, in the 14 years we've been open there, we have seen huge improvements, haven't we, in that side of things. You just need to be a bit more efficient. It, if you're going paperless and you're going down the route of having Emirates ID for your visa now, then there is no reason to transfer property. There can't be a different, more uh, digital approach to what we're doing, definitely. Absolutely. We need the banks involved. That's the big problem. And escrow companies. Which you have registration trustees, so technically they can be the escrow companies because they are a private public entity. Whole new, yeah, that's a whole a new, new that's to talk about. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> right, everybody, thank you very much for your time this week. You'll see a lot more of Lynette over the couple of coming weeks with her insights of data and how that impacts you all. And so, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.